Welcome to the Hot Sala Cast, the podcast that takes you on an in-depth and behind-the-scenes journey with local Hot Sala and EMS volunteers to hear their stories and get a better perspective on the lives of these local heroes. Now here's your host, Zisha Littman. And welcome to the first episode of a very cool new podcast that we've decided to host over here. Um, we are doing the, it's called the Hot Sala Cast, behind the scenes of the Hot Sala world, the EMT world. And on this week's episode, this is the first episode, we're, we're happy to say this is the first of many, please God. Um, and this week's episode is sponsored by Hatsala Bit Shemesh, the local Hatsala organization within within Bit Shemesh that serves Ramat Bit Shemesh and the surrounding areas. And it happens to be on episode one, we are sitting down with the director and the CEO of Hatsala Bit Shemesh, um, Moshe Braun. Uh, Moshe has been a hot solid member for many, many years, um, dating back to his time in America and carried it over to here in Israel. And he's got some many, some really cool stories and great experiences to share with us on the show. So I'm happy to welcome Moshe Braun to the show. Moshe, how are you? Wonderful. Baruch Hashem. Doing well. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. How is it over there in sunny Beis Shemesh? It's nice. So, so Moshe, what's your story? I mean, I, I mean, I know you on a personal level because we've known each other for a couple of years now here, here within Bichemish. Yes, I'm also in Bichemish. And, and I, I didn't really know that you were, you were an EMT. And until I, until I start, I, I became closer and more familiar with Hatzala Bichemish. Um, but what's your story and how did you get into, into the Hatzala world? And more importantly, what's the story about Hatzala Beit Shemesh? Because Hatzala Beit Shemesh is a very unique organization. It happens to be one of the, from what my, from my research, it happens to be one of the only private Hatzala organizations within the country. Am I correct? Uh, sort of. The uh, Hatzala Beit Shemesh is the only, um, it's the only fully volunteer uh, Hatzala ambulance service that uh, that that really does the, uh, mimics the Hatzala uh, from the United States. Um, the other Hatzala uh, services in Israel are, for the most part, first responder uh, services. Um, and uh, our goal was to be a, um, another option for the residents of Beit Shemesh to, uh, other than the, uh, the local uh, municipal Magin Dome system. That's very interesting. Yeah, no, I've had, I've had, I've had only good experiences with Hatzala Beit Shemesh, and I find that you you guys are tremendous in what you do, and the, the care and detail you give to each patient is very similar to what you would find in a Hatzala organization or an EMS organization within the states. Whereas, it, you know, every it's not just like let's get the, let's get this done and move on to the next one. It's very it's very mediocre. It's very like. There's, 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 there's good bedside manner. People that, you, you know, you, your volunteers are trained and professional and they behave in a manner that, that is calming to the patients. I've personally seen firsthand, um, and the, what you guys do. I was, at, I was, I was coming home from my house one time to my house and my neighbor, I literally got into the door into my house and my neighbor banged on, was banging on the door and she was, she was literally on the floor. She was having, she was having breathing issues. She was having, it looked like she was having a heart attack. I didn't know what it was. And she called, she was on the phone with Hatzala Beit Shemesh. And within minutes, there was like a whole crew of guys there at, in my, in my apartment building. And the way that you got the, your volunteers were working with her, the way that they were calming her down and soothing her and, to, and even treating her bentayim, 
it was, it was just phenomenal. And I asked her afterwards, I said, so, you know, you're doing well, you're feeling well. I said, yeah, the, the, the guys were very, very, very good. They're very patient. They had, they, they gave a lot of care to me. And when they put me in the ambulance, you know, they're still with me every single step of the way. So I think it's really cool. And I think that's really amazing how you guys try to mimic that experience, that experience from what you would get from an EMS or Hatzal organization in the States and bring it to Israel. Um, that being said, I know that your background is like you, you've t- you, you have a back extensive background working with Hatzal in New York and, and then other places. What, what's your story? Uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I take that as a compliment. We work very, very hard to try to make sure that all the volunteers, uh, have good, uh, bedside manners. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's a lot more than just bedside manners. Uh, what we're looking for is. Uh, for the, the patients to be able to feel comfortable. We want them to be able to be comfortable calling us. We want them to be able to be comfortable knowing that when they have a crisis, um, the, uh, there, there's, there's somebody to talk to, there's somebody to turn to who's going to be compassionate, caring, and, uh, and, and you know, well-versed in, in, uh, in, in their knowledge of what they need to do in emergency medicine. Um, so... Uh, it's very nice to hear that uh, the feedback like that. So I appreciate that. For sure. Uh, my story uh, is uh, huh, where, do, where do we start? Um, from from a very very young age, there was a uh, a rebbe of mine who uh, had a tremendous influence on me. Uh, his name was Rabbi Yochanan Wozner, and um, I knew from I knew from a very young age that. Uh, I was going to be a Hatzalah volunteer. Uh, I never dreamed that I would be a founder, I would be director of a Hatzalah organization. Uh, it certainly wasn't what I was looking for. Um, shortly after uh, I came I came back from Eretz Yisrael, from Yeshiva, um, I took my first EMT course. And um, as soon as I got married, uh, I joined Hatzalah in Muncie. Uh, I was there for a number of years. And um, in 2006, we made Aliyah. Uh, the one thing that I promised my wife when we made Aliyah was that she was going to have uh, six months with, uh, with no Hatzalah, uh, which I gave her. Uh, it was, it was uh, time to be with the family and to try to make sure that the transition went, uh, went well. Um, shortly after that, uh, those six months, uh, I was approached by a few people who were already with Hatzala and uh, living in Ramat Beit Shemesh. And um, they were talking to me and, and my question to them was, you know, why don't we do this the same, you know, the Hatzala system in, in the United States is a, pri- uh, a tried and proven system. And um, my, I was wondering why we don't have anything like it in Eretz Yisrael. Um, and um, I spoke to numerous uh, different people, and I got all kinds of excuses of why it can't be done. Uh, but then, when I met Vince <laughs> Novak, uh, he, uh, his question to me was, "Do you plan on moving back to the states? And um, if you don't, I'm willing to do it with you." Um, and that became the beginning of, you know, of, of something that that's become much bigger today. Uh, when we started, we you know we started with we had one ambulance that wasn't even uh, a bitachon here in Israel. Uh, in order to be uh, in order to be licensed, you actually have to start off with, uh, kind of as an ambulance service doing paperwork, and um, 
with tremendous siyata uh, deshmaya. Uh, you know, the, the stories go on and on into uh, you know what what uh, what went on and uh, you know, backroom negotiations to uh, to make this happen. And uh, thank God, in two thousand and eight, we got our license. Um, we had three ambulances, and of course, every ambulance was a story on its own. Um, the, uh, the the next annual, in order to get the license, we had to have three ambulances. Obviously, we didn't have any. Uh, we didn't have money to buy another two ambulances. We had that one, um, and um, I turned to uh, family and some friends, and um, my great aunt gave us uh, you know a big chunk of money, and then my grandmother gave us some some money. Um, so the, the next ambulance was Zecher Nishmas, my grandfather, Chazan uh, Yitzchak Braun. Wow. And uh, the, uh, shortly after that, uh, probably in uh, 2009, I think it was a year later, uh, we got a donation of our next ambulance, and then uh, the story just keeps on going. Um, wow, that's amazing. And and. Kanina Hara, you guys have like five ambulances now, right? Or at least four ambulances right now. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Now, I remember once we were speaking, and you told me that you that you that you were part of a Hatzala crew that went into Manhattan on 9/11. What was that like? So, um, you know, the morning started just like any other day. I was at uh, I was at work on the phone with customers. Uh, the radio went off, and we had uh, the, the there was a request for mutual aid to uh, uh, into Manhattan at the World Trade Center for a plane that went into uh, one of the towers. Uh, really, no one had any idea of what the magnitude was going to be at that time. Um, I just I remember telling my customer that uh, I need to go, and uh, we got to the ambulance. Uh, I think we were eight people on the ambulance before we left. I thought that it might be a good idea if we, if we were going to an MCI, um, which is a mass casualty incident, uh, it might be better to bring along some more equipment. So I asked each volunteer who came along with us to bring their own jump bag. And um, when we showed up, we actually had nine sets of equipment with us, uh, which is more than any other ambulance uh, brought to the scene. We started off going, uh, going towards the uh, World Trade Center. Um, the whole ride took us about 15, 15 20 minutes at most. Uh, there were the, uh, all the highways were closed already. Um, we were stopped in front of the George Washington Bridge, uh, where the uh, police wanted to, they wanted to make sure that everyone had ID. Uh, there were there was a concern about a secondary attack, and um, we we headed into uh, Manhattan. And um, as we were getting close to the uh, the towers. Uh, the in front of our eyes, the tower collapsed. Um, we were uh, first at uh, Wall Street and then at South Street Seaport. A uh, short while later, they moved us to um, Chelsea Pier, where we assisted in putting together the uh, field hospitals. Uh, that was an unbelievable experience watching all that happen. They, they offloaded uh, two massive warehouses onto barges, and then um, carpenters came and just built stations. Uh, there were there were two warehouses. One of the warehouses was the uh, was going to be the trauma 
uh, center and the other one was gonna be medical uh, to deal with airway and breathing. Uh, electricians came in and um, put uh, electrical outlets just about at every, uh, at every station. We had about 100, um, 100 trauma stations and 150 uh, medical stations. Um, tractor trailers came in with, uh, with equipment and, um, you know, just kept on unloading equipment, whether it was oxygen tanks, mo uh, monitors, um, water. Uh, it was, it was a huge team effort. Uh, I was one of the few people who actually had cell phone service, um, throughout the day. And, uh, I would say a few hundred people used my phone that day to, uh, call their loved ones to let them know that they were okay. Um, you know, there are, there are some parts of, you know, what we were, what was going on there that, uh, you know, we just don't talk about, um, the, the one vision that I could never forget is the a vision of, you know, when we were still heading towards the world trade center was a, uh, an ambulance that was kind of running, rushing away from the world trade center with the entire top of the ambulance in flames. Um, wow. One other, one other unforgettable uh, experience was that once the uh, stations were all set up, the um, the head doctor of uh, the uh, FDNY uh, came into the room with a big megaphone and just was making big announcements. And he said, uh, "Guys, we normally have protocols uh, and rules, and um, within the rules there are standing orders, and then certain orders that you can only." Uh, you can only uh, do by following medical control where you actually have to pick up the phone and call um, uh, call the doctor on standby. Uh, he says, today, there's no time for medical control. We're expecting 500 patients at a time. Wow. Um, there, there are no protocols. There are no rules. If you think it needs to be done, do it. If you don't think it should be done, don't do it. Um, if you think you need to cut it off, cut it off. If you don't think you should cut it off, don't cut it off. Um, to me, that was a that, that that was a very very powerful uh, statement. That was uh, that was kind of what hit me when you know to to um, understand the magnitude of what was really going on. Wow, that, that's that's incredible. That, that is absolutely in, incredible. Now, how did an incident? How did like this situation? How did this situation help you and impact you um, to become going forward as an EMT and as a hot solo member? Like, what what takeaways did you get from this? And how did you like bring this towards what you do now? Because I mean, that was years ago. That was that was wow. But, that was nineteen years ago. Yeah, I, I I I can't really answer that question properly. I, okay. I don't know what the effects were. Okay. Um, I, I've been asked. Uh, I, I've been interviewed numerous times. Uh, you know about nine eleven and uh, my experiences with the nine eleven. There was, uh, there was a, uh, a newspaper here in Israel that uh, interviewed me a number of years ago, and um, they seemed to be uh, to have an agenda uh, leaning towards the idea that the reason why I made Aliyah, that, 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 that kind of led me to make Aliyah in mm. uh, 2006. Um, and uh, they, they actually asked me uh, specifically about that, and, and my response was no, that it, it certainly had nothing to do with it. That was an opportunity came up for, for me in 2006, and that's what caused, uh, that, that's what gave me, that was the impetus for, uh, for our family making Aliyah. Um, but, you know, most, uh, most reporters have an agenda, 
And this was clearly his agenda. And he kind of wrote the whole article, making people believe that that was the that that was the case. And then the very last line, he wrote. But when we asked him uh, specifically, he said no. Uh, so I, again, were there effects? Are there effects? I'm sure that there are. Uh, you know, it would be hard to deny that uh, that anything in life ha that happens to you doesn't affect you. Of course. Uh, but but um, I, there's nothing that I can say specifically that I can uh, pinpoint that uh, that led me to where I am. Uh, in, in fact, you know, as I said earlier, uh, it was never my intention to be a director of Hatzala. Uh, right. I wanted. To volunteer just like every other volunteer right. um the uh the opportunity even even after we started in 2008 um my my role was far from being director um right. i i really you know all i wanted to do was uh volunteer and um i had my own business i was a tour guide uh, yep. for a number of years here um and i i had a successful business at some point uh the rather in the neighborhood approached me, it was actually a little bit over a year ago, um, and he told me that uh, the community needs you now, and he asked me if I would close down the business. Uh, I thought it was a wild thing to do. Um, and then um, a few other people in the community asked me to, uh, to do it, and um, I kind of saw an opportunity uh, to, to continue helping uh, and uh, it also gave me other opportunities uh, to, uh, you know, to finish up. I, I have a um, uh, an affinity towards uh, help, helping people that are uh, that are having emotional emergencies. Uh, about three years ago, we started a, uh, a program in Hatzala called the EFR program, which is the Emotional First Response Program. Um, there are many crisis intervention hotlines uh, around the world. Um, the, the, the one concern that I always have with the crisis intervention hotlines is that uh, the person who's having the crisis actually has to pick up the phone and make that telephone call. And uh, more often than not, the people that are having these emotional crises are not about to pick up the phone. Um, the program that we developed is a two-stage program where we took volunteers who are responding to these emergencies anyway and we gave them some some serious uh, training in crisis intervention, uh, at least first response of uh, crisis intervention to avoid the uh, emergency, the disaster. And um, we also uh, got a number of volunteers from the community, uh, psychologists, social workers, and so on, to um, to join the uh, this program, where. Uh, when, when somebody recognizes, and it can be anybody who recognizes an emotional emergency, they can actually pick up the phone and call us and we'll actually send somebody directly to the, uh, to the, to the house, to the location where that emergency is taking place. Um, so we have, we have more of an opportunity to, uh, to, to have some, to be able to intervene uh, somehow in, uh, in that crisis that's going on. Um, to me, that's a that's a very very important uh, program. Uh, that's incredible. Our, that's absolutely our, incredible. We're up to our second round now. We're in the middle of uh, our, our refresher right now. Um, we're we're adding new volunteers to it, new social workers as well, um, and we have Dr. Jakob Friedman, 
who writes in the uh, Mishpacha magazine. Uh, he writes a column every week called Off the Couch. Uh, he's actually uh, giving the refresher course together with uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Zizi Maltz. Um, and uh, kind of along, along with that idea, uh, for myself, I, again, I took this as, a, as an opportunity for myself, and uh, I went back to school, and I'm doing my master's now in social work as well. That's very cool. Oh, wow. That is very cool. So one thing, one door opened and the opportunity for you to do something, something more. That's amazing. Can I know Needless to say that, <laughs> uh, you know, this whole uh, COVID pandemic uh, didn't do very well for the uh, tourism industry here in Israel. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I certainly thank Hashem for, for sending me on this path. Right. I mean, you know, you, you got plucked out and just in the nick of time from, from the tourist tourism industry. I mean, like a lot of your contemporaries are also finding new work and new things. I remember you had a bus. I remember you had a legit bus and, and, and now you have an ambulance. So it, it's, it's, it's slightly similar, not as fun, but yeah, depends on who you ask, but um, wow, that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. You have some amazing stories and I'm sure our listeners are really going to love them. Um, Now, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to join Hatzalah, whether it's Hatzalah Beit Shemesh or Hatzalah somewhere else in the world? Like, what advice would you give somebody who's looking to join? Um, and what kind of chizik would you give them to to help them get through? I mean, I know the cor- you have to take the course, and then you have to do a lot of like on the job watching and training and everything like that. But what would you what would you give over to somebody, someone seasoned like you? What would you say to them who are just interested in starting and joining and joining Hatzalah? So the first thing is that you need to you need to take care of yourself and your family. Um, volunteering for Hatzalah is is wonderful, but it's it's an extra. Um, the the um, this, you know based on the statistics that we've seen over the years, um, the volunteers that have stable parnasa, stable business, stable uh, stable livelihood, are are going to be the best volunteers. Um, the, the volunteers that are that that are are doing this because it's what makes them happy, or it's the only thing that's that, that that's making them happy. Um, usually, are not the volunteers that end up being uh, the su- su- successful volunteers uh, over a longer period of time. Um, I, I've had I've had over the years many parents have come to me. And uh, told me that their children are, are, you know, in high school or dropping out of high school, and uh, telling them that they wanted to take an EMT course and they wanted to join Hatzalo or some other EMS organization. My advice is, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm all for volunteers. I, I, I love volunteers. I want everybody to volunteer, but this is not a, th- doing it that way is a cop out. It's a cop out for going to school. It's a cop out for getting a proper education. It's a cop out for getting a job. That's not what this is about. This is about people that are uh, stable people that are uh, that that feel that they want to give something back to the community. And uh, when when you want to give something back to the community, if you can't provide for yourself, you're not going to be able to provide for the community. So the what I urge people is make sure that that you're in a stable place, you're in a good place. Uh, make sure that you have your uh, your keep your day job. And I, I we tell this to entrepreneurs as well. Again, I'm, I'm, <laughs> or myself, um, besides Hatzalah, besides being in school full time and volunteering um, for Hatzalah, 
Um, I have I have other businesses that are, are, are starting up. There's a lot going on. Keep your day job. Don't drop what you're doing to be able to do Hatsala. Don't 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 take Hatsala as uh, the, the cure all. That's that's just not what it is. Right. It's, it's a great opportunity for people that want to give back to the community to be able to be available to be able to help out and there's a tremendous amount that we can do and I, I encourage people to volunteer and I want people to volunteer but don't use it as a cop out don't don't use it as a crutch wow that that's very that's very strong that's very that's a very powerful message and I, I totally get that too because at the end of the day like you're you, if you can't if you can't take care of yourself how it's 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 a very old episode if you can't take care of yourself how are you going to take care of other people how are you going to give all your that you can to be able to take care of somebody else and that's like the rule number one when you're when you're doing when you're an emt you want you want to be able to get, take care of everybody take care of that person and make them feel as comfortable as possible while they're while their back is on the stretcher and they're in the ambulance so I call it a vote, you know, that, that's, that's, that's some very good, that's some very good words to live by. And, you know, this was great. I'm so happy that you're able to come down and come on the show with us and <clears throat> kick off episode one of the Hansala cast. And as I said, this week's episode is brought to you by Hansala Beit Shemesh. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about Hansala Beit Shemesh, you can visit their website, www.hatsbs.org. Um, and you can learn a little bit more about Hansala Beit Shemesh and what they do for the communities. And, you know, you can, if you really like this show, you can find it on all major podcasting platforms, Google, Spotify, um, iTunes, it will even be on the Jewish podcasting networks. And like I said, Moshe, I'm so happy you decided to come down and do the show with us. And I wish you tremendous Hatzlach and everything you're doing. I wish Hatzalabit Shemesh tremendous Hatzlach going forward in the new year. We should only hear good things from Hatzalabit Shemesh. We should only hear the ambulances in good times and in good cheer. Um, and please, God, we should continue to see more great things come out of it. Thanks so much. for You've just me. listened to another great episode of the Hot Cast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our show on all major podcasting platforms. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and stay tuned every week as we reveal a new episode of the Hot Cast. And remember, if you need help, call your local EMS or Hot organization. Stay safe and stay tuned.